Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Brianna Hope Beaton, and today we will be talking about Ice Age Collision Course, Ghostbusters, the Flight of the Butterflies, and Kids' Choice Sports Awards. So right now, we are speaking with 18-year-old Brandon from Miami, Florida, and 11-year-old Benjamin from Washington, D.C., about Ice Age Collision Course. Now, I have not been able to see this film yet because I'm kind of weird. Anyway, so Benjamin, do you think that I didn't actually know that they were going to do another film? Um, I learned about two months ago that they were going to do this film. So do you think they're going to continue the Ice Age series, Benjamin? I hope not, because the ending seems somewhat conclusive, and I wasn't even really on board with the idea of them making a fifth one anyway. <laughs> and what about you, Brandon? Do you have the same views? I would definitely concur the same same thing, because it was this i thought i didn't know they made a like a fourth one right? let alone a fifth one so then you're saying i mean like talking about milking the cow you know how far are they going to go with this thing so yeah i don't think they're i don't think they're going to go for that uh, long as far as um, as far as making more ice age stuff but hey you know if it's um, if it's a product that you know is wanted then yeah they'll go for it but i don't think it is because Personally, to me, I only knew about Ice Age and then Ice Age Meltdown. Those are the only two that I really knew about and actually saw. But there's Ice Age Continental Drift, and there's Ice Age, I believe, Dawn, uh, Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. Yeah, and then, so there's this one, and then they made a mini one, Ice Age, The Great Egg Escape, um, earlier this year, or around the same time. So I personally think that they shouldn't make another one. I haven't seen the film, but I was like, it's okay, guys. You don't need to do you don't need to do five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven of them, but you know, they'll milk it until they can get no more money out of it. There's there's a difference between Ice Age and like Star Wars. True. Yeah. Or or James Bond. There you go. Perfect. See, like <laughs> some, like some stories can be go on and on forever and no one will ever care but then this one it's like nope you can stop <laughs> anyway so so benjamin at the beginning of every ice age film we see this squirrel desperately trying to get this this nut and i'm like this acorn and i'm like bro what's wrong with you but anyway what do you think about this little um little pre-film before ice age um i think it's just uh, I, first, when they first started doing it, it was kind of a running gag. But now, just doing it with every movie, when it comes on, you're just like, okay. I can I can understand that because I mean, when I saw, I think the second one or the third one, I believe, I was like, how how many different ways can this squirrel want to find this acorn? Like, I don't <laughs> I don't understand how many times is he going to try to find this acorn? And is the acorn really that important? No. It is not. So, Brandon, it looks like there are a few new characters, and some of these characters are voiced by people that I absolutely love. So what did you think about the meshing of the old characters and the new characters? Oh, man, didn't like it at all. I, I Listen, when I, when I saw this movie, I was trying to to find enjoyment and trying to like, oh, okay, well, they're fun and this and that. But I got very quickly annoyed by the new characters and again it may just be my opinion it may just be that you know i'm not connected with the comedy but and yeah you mentioned uh simon Pegg. oh neil degrasse tyson was like the best new character ever i, I know that he just had like a few scenes here and there but everything that he did was comedy gold but then after that you know i'm divine uh, wanda sykes and much of these like cool people that are doing voiceovers of Jesse J. But then, no, they, they didn't bring anything, uh, in my opinion, they didn't really bring enough to the table. They didn't bring enough of a story element to it. And then as far as comedy, they seemed to lack. It was just 
more of an annoyance, in, in, in my opinion. Do you think that that falls majorly on the actual voice actors, or do you think that falls mainly on the script? Yeah, actually, I think um, I think it falls with the script because, and I said this in my review, when you have Ray Romano who voices Manny, and you have Dennis Leary who voices Diego, and they didn't get many lines as far as like comedy goes in this movie, and I think that's where it kind of lacked. And it may just be that the new characters have a certain type of comedy that appeals to the kids, and that just may be it. I think that it would have helped if a better interjection because i always go back to Zootopia. Zootopia did a great job as far as having comedy for everyone they had like little puns and little references and stuff here and there for the adults and then they had the kid comedy i think that if they would have taken that approach with this movie it would have made for a much more enjoyable experience i think that when you have films that see this film and it's basically the same thing because with natural disasters and and you get caught up in people that you add to the film like jesse J and queen latifah and and dennis leary and and jennifer lopez and kiki palmer and and all these other people that you're like oh my gosh i absolutely love you um i think when you get caught up in that everything else kind of falls short and i think that I, i haven't seen the film but it sounds like that is what's going on so really quick benjamin how many stars do you give this film three I didn't, I wasn't enjoying myself the entire time. Like some of the jokes took it a one step too far. And I also thought most of the characters just weren't very interesting. There's just one or two that I found really interesting. So I liked it, but I didn't love it. Yeah, you know, it, it's a mixture of like and love and a mixture of like and hate. So I think a three feeling from what both you guys are talking about i think a three is fair thank you guys both for talking with me about ice age closing course we're gonna like switch over to morgan you're listening to kids first coming attractions on the boys market kids network and today we are talking about ice age collision course ghostbusters the flight of the butterflies and kids choice sports awards and we just heard about brandon and benjamin about their view on ice age collision course and now we are talking to 11 and a half year old morgan from la california also about the film ice age collision course so morgan what did you think about this film what were your initial thoughts my initial thoughts were i absolutely love this i really like this film because a lot of kids don't really like science to tell you the truth and kids don't like school and everything and i know it's summer but what i really liked about this movie is that they added science facts to it and i was like that's great because china right now is actually really kicking everybody's butt in science especially america and so what Americans are trying to do is trying to get kids into science. And what's a better way than taking a classical series that is so much fun about natural disasters and turning it into a fun science museum and exhibit to watch? I love that fact. And I think more movies, if they made more movies like this, children all around America would probably love school as much as I do. Mm-hmm. And, and hearing that you kind of have a separate view on this than my former people that I just interviewed. What did you like most about this film? I know that you said that you really like the aspect that it has education and it teaches you about science, but what did it teach you about science? Because I, I cannot fathom in my head it Ice Age Sid teaching you about, well, the solar sphere and all that other stuff. So what did you think about it? I thought it was really cool. And it, the lesson was basically how meteorites are magnetic and how basically they're thinking about, some scientists are actually thinking about doing this, which is sending uh, geocrystals, which are magnetic, magnetic, to up into space, and make them basically hit the meteorites, so that way they won't be able to hit Earth. Interesting. And this is an animation which obviously means voiceover. Do you think that it's harder for an, people to voice animals than human and if so did you hear anyone struggling to produce the right voice for the right animal no actually not really i think that they're both about the same level of hardness and animals actually can actually be more fun because you can go a little bit out of the zone because if you're playing an animal you can basically do whatever voice you want and that's what i really like about it is that it had that aspect and all these people who have been doing this have been doing these parts ever since 2002, actually, 
because that's when they first made the first original one. And now it's 2016, so they've kind of grown into that voice. And a couple of the new characters were stupendous and spot on. I really don't think that I heard any difficulty in speech or anything like that, to tell you the truth. And do you see, do you think that people have to watch the other Ice Age films? Because I, I believe there was one in 2002, which was the first one, I believe, 2006, 2009, 2012, and then this one. So you do, do you think that they need to watch the first one or the other ones to completely understand this one? Not really. I mean, I would say the last one would be one that they should watch before this because they do have a lot of new characters from the other one. Um, that was Ice Age Collision Course. With this one and the other one was Ice Age Continental Trip. And now if they watch that one and then watch this one, that would probably be great because they have some old characters from that one and they also brought some new characters in from this one. So if they watch that, then they'll understand a little more of the backstory behind them. But I think they'll be all right, even if they don't watch the last one. Yeah, I, I, get, a, I, I get a feeling maybe halfway, 50%, that I could watch each of the each of the Ice Age films without watching the others. And then part of me is like, mm, I think I would benefit from watching the other ones just to have the entertainment factor. So I understand what you're saying. And how many stars do you give this film, Morgan? I have to give this film five out of five nanotastic shooting stars. Well, I'm, I love every time you give stars on things because it, it ties into the film. But anyway, I'm glad that I'm really glad that you liked it. I will have to check it out because it seems like you like it and some other people don't like it. But I've I've heard people from both sides. So I, I will definitely check this film out. Thank you, Morgan, for telling me all about Ice Age Collision Course. Well, thank you so much for having me. I want to say that we all have different opinions and views, which makes us unique and special. Aw, you're adorable. It's in theaters now, guys, so please check it out. Let's take a break. I'm Brianna Hope Beaton, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Endgame from Shout Factory. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jerry Ors, and you're listening to Kiss First Come Attractions. We were just talking about the film Ice Age Collision Course, and right now we're going to talk about the film Fight of the Butterflies. And right now we're going to talk to Morgan, who is 11 years old and lives in LA, and Benjamin, who is 11 years old and lives in Washington, D.C. So, Morgan, what did you think about this film? I really thought this film was beautiful. You will actually see gold and yellows, beautiful browns and oranges just float across your screen on this movie. And that's what I loved about it, really, was that it was so beautiful and that it actually told the story in the life of a butterfly. And these beautiful butterflies, which are monarch butterflies, 
which stand for king or queen butterflies, are definitely the king and queen because they can make this billion-mile journey. And that is just simply fantastic. It does sound like an absolutely beautiful film. Now, Benjamin, what did you think about this film? I loved it. I thought the way it looked was good. I mean, this is probably one of the best cinematography I've ever seen in a film. Um, I also really I liked the score as well. It had a very epic feel to it, but not all the time. Like, you got the right tone. And I thought that it was very informational. And I was honestly invested in this subject of monarch butterflies. And uh, Morgan, can you tell us the story of the film since you kind of talked about how it tells you the life of a monarch butterfly? Well, I definitely do agree that this is a documentary, and it, it's 44 minutes long, but it does tell us a lot about butterflies and the way they survive. I love the fact that they use real butterflies, and they were elegant, but they are very smart. They can actually taste with their feet and smell with their antenna, and that is amazing. And you actually love to learn about the butterflies and their different stages of life because you'll learn that they're pupas and that they also learn chrysalis and they're butterflies and you learn all four of these cycles, which is the cycle of life for them. And that is simply, I really like that they showed that. And that was really cool. And it basically also tells you about the scientist who was so interested in these beautiful creatures that he basically signed people across America to help him find out the mystery of the monarch butterflies and where do they go and where do they migrate to. And I love the fact that they were they incorporated facts about the butterflies, why you learned about the scientists who wanted to know more about them. You no, know, this film just sounds extremely beautiful and it does have a narrator. The narrator is Megan Follows. So Benjamin, what did you think about the narration? I didn't really notice it. She doesn't have some the same voice said other people that have narrated other films like this do like morgan freeman or meryl streep or someone like that but does she you know give the information in a very clear tone and you can understand it yeah i yeah now benjamin you also really talked about how this is one of the best cinematography you've ever seen in films can you talk about a little more about that there's just so many beautiful booming shots it's, and there's a really cool shots just like of just what's supposed to be simulating of the butterflies flying and um there's this this one scene where this what a character in the story i will not try, i will try not to spoil the story too much just sees his life work before his eyes and just there's like millions of butterflies flooding around and i thought it looked really good i cannot say this enough this film looks beautiful and i'm definitely gonna check it out but you did mention kind of like simulations and all of that to morgan what did you think about the vi the visual effects the special effects there were main special effects that it did like this i like that they do the time class where it shows months and months and periods that go like a blink in the eye and that was really cool and when they did the slow motion with the butterfly just first taking off with a gorgeous really and the aerial views that you got to see of uh, this magnificent city was really cool and that's probably one of my favorite scenes to tell you the truth is when a butterfly is flying over skyscrapers and you see a wonderful aerial shot of the entire city and it was this scene was absolutely gorgeous and that's what i loved it the most and it was very crisp and clear and it was like you were on the butterfly's back almost like you were sitting on the butterfly and you just got shrunk down to the size of an ant and that was just simply astonishing. And I had no idea that butterflies could actually fly that high. So at the same time of seeing an amazing view, I also learned something as well, which is one of the great things about this documentary, is that it wasn't really boring. You were like, I'm not going to fall asleep, because it kept you entertained. And you were like, what's going to happen to the butterflies now? Where are they going to fall? Where are they going to go to? And you also want to know what the scientist does because he spent his entire life trying to find out where the butterflies hide and trying to find out where their hiding places are and everything. So you want to see both sides of the story between the butterflies as well as seeing what's going to happen with the scientists, which yeah. really has to be entertained in the class. Yeah, and what I really like about this documentary is that it not only educates you, but also tells you a very entertaining story about the butterflies and their lives. You're listening to Kids First Crime Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and today we will talk about the film Ghostbusters and the event Kids' Choice Sports Awards. 
But right now, we're going to continue talking to Morgan and Benjamin, and we're going to talk about the film Flight of the Butterflies. Morgan was just talking about how her favorite scene is about this butterfly flying over skyscrapers and how educational the film is. My next question is for you, Benjamin. Now, Morgan talked about the facts that she learned. Did you learn any facts that stood out to you? Yeah, I knew the monarch butterflies, and I knew about their migration. I obviously knew about the topical migration, but I didn't know how long it was and everywhere they went and just the general process. And can you tell us, like, anything specific that you learned? That just the why they go to each place they do. Now, Morgan, did you ever get bored or did you ever lose your attention in the film? Um, No, I actually not really, because like I said, with the last question is that you wanted to know what happened with the scientists as well as what the butterflies were. And I learned so much. Like, I had no idea that it took almost three generations for these butterflies to make this vibration, as well as I had no idea that butterflies had scales on their wings. And to find out that there's over a million scales on their wings was simply just astonishing. And that they're so small creatures that have this many different amazing senses and everything is really cool. And that just shows how strong they are, very strong at their heart. And it was actually very complex, too, how they're very, they can smell with their feet and taste with their tongue and, or, you know, however it goes. And how they can be able to do all these amazing things is just so complex. And I actually really want to watch it again and again and again. This is something that you will watch like every year to reinforce this because this was really cool. Yeah, you know, people don't really know a lot about butterflies in today's society. And there's a lot of interesting facts and butterflies themselves are amazing creatures. Now, Benjamin, do you have a favorite scene in the film? Yes. One of the coolest scenes I thought was when they used MRI footage to show the process of the chrysalis of um, a caterpillar becoming a monarch butterfly. That does sound pretty amazing. And Morgan, how many stars do you give this film and why? Oh my gosh, I would have to give this film the the stars of probably five fluttering beautiful butterfly stars out of five because it was so amazing and so detailed. And I like that this was a documentary and yet it kept you entertained and you were like not going to fall asleep. And Benjamin, how many stars do you give this film? Um, five out of five. I really recommend it. I think it's beautiful. Um, you'll be captivated in the story and it has a great score as well. So, oh, can you talk about the score a little bit? It's epic in some scenes and then in scenes it doesn't need to be epic. It's like tranquil and light. Well, that's good because a lot of soundtracks push it way too much and then ruin the whole film. So Morgan, what age range do you give this film? I think this is probably great for the age ranges of five and up. The younger ones will absolutely love the butterflies and learn about them, while the older ones learn new things about butterflies. And everyone loves butterflies, and you can learn about them while you watch them fly, and you can make this journey and this migration along with them. And that's what I really liked about it, is that it showed this. And I think that uh, everybody will love it, really. And it's very short because it's only 44 minutes. So I think this is great for younger audiences as well. Because if you get it on DVD, because it is available now on DVD, then you can pause it and, you know, get popcorn and such. And the little ones will still learn a lot. But it will also keep them entertained. And for, like, six and seven-year-olds, since it's only 44 minutes, they can sit through the entire thing. Well, it's good that it appeals to all audience. Very quickly, Benjamin, what age range do you give this film? 7 to 13, because I think the film goes into pretty complex territory after a while. And I think kid, it will be harder for younger kids to keep track of everything that's going on. But I think older viewers will probably enjoy the film. I think anyone older than that that can get the information that they're giving you will really enjoy it. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about this wonderful film. I will definitely check it out. And if you want to check it out, it is now available on DVD on Shout Factory. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. And this show is sponsored by Endgame by Shout Factory.
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Brianna Hill Beaton, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We just finished speaking to Morgan and Benjamin about the flight of the butterflies. And now we are talking about Ghostbusters, and later on we will be talking about Kids' Choice Sports Awards. So right now we are speaking with the adorable 12-year-old Ryan from New York about Ghostbusters, the new film that came out in 2016. So Ryan, what is your first impression about this film? My impression about this film is that it's obviously a reboot to the original Ghostbusters, except for there's a twist. Instead of it, instead of uh, guys as Ghostbusters as females, my impression of it was at first I was like, oh, it's probably probably not going to be great because people are, are like saying of the reviews. But when I saw it, I thought of it as an okay film, and my impression cha- changed because I thought it was going to be, like, not great. But then I realized it was a fine film because it could have been a little better. And in, in what areas do you think it could have been better? Like, in the music or in the casting, or what did you think? The pacing, that's where it could have been better because the beginning is kind of rushed, and, and in other scenes it's kind of dragging. And if they kind of fixed that, it would have been better. Because I felt like the beginning was rushed. And then after the beginning, it was very deep. It was like going, like it was very detailed. Interesting. I saw um, I saw the original Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 with my dad a couple of days ago. Um, because a lot of the time when remakes come out or when sequels come out or when sequels to sequels come out they play a lot of the originals and old ones on tv so that people can get into it before or after or during they watch the film so i saw this i saw the original and this was the first time i've seen the original and i absolutely loved it it was hilarious i really like bill murray and his brother in the second one it was it was absolutely phenomenal um did you see the first two or first one i saw the first one and how similar is this film to that one? The characters are pretty kind of similar. It's sort of like cliche, I guess, because it's kind of seen before. Erin Gilbert, who is Kristen Wiig, for example, she's kind of, I guess, Bill Murray. And it's kind of hard because like, you can feel like certain characters match one of the old Ghostbusters. From the difference between, I guess, the first Ghostbusters and the reboot is that it's pretty much the characters are pretty much the same roles except for the genders are swapped. Like the receptionist in Ghostbusters, the first one is a bo- is a girl, and in the reboot is a boy, and I'm and it's kind of like the gender switch. 
do you feel like the gender switch because a lot of people are just like oh yeah like the ghostbusters but they're girls instead of guys i feel like that's the only thing that people are saying before and after they watch this film so do you think that just since the genders are switched in almost every role that that's the only appeal that they have do you think that that's why they're so popular um the the new ghostbusters no, I don't think it's because they're girls. I think it's because many people who love the first one are like, oh, this is the new generation and, like, there's new technology and maybe that would help capture the ghost. And I guess since new generations, like, new reboots are coming out, people are excited of how different it's going to be from the original. Yeah, and, and now thinking about it, since this film is about ghosts and catching ghosts and ghosts living among the people of New York, um, it obviously does have to have some visuals that are top-notch because I saw the first one and I was like, that's so fake. It's funny. It's it, it's it gets to where it's like, that's obviously not real, but everyone's acting like it's real and that's what makes it so funny. But this, they obviously had the equipment to make it as real-looking as possible. So what did you think about the visuals of the ghosts and, and visuals in general? The visuals are realistic and detailed because in the first Ghostbusters film, Slimer and Marshmallow Man are there, and in the reboot, they're there, but they have more detail and they look more realistic as the original. And also the ghosts look real in general because... It feels like they're people just as ghosts, and they have many details, and it doesn't look fake as, like, the Ghostbusters original film animations were. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that I really look forward to in in reboots and in, in remakes and in and, and sequels, because... Whenever the first film was made, obviously, it's not going to have the same same technology that we have today. So when I see reboots, that's the one thing, especially things that have fantasy and sci-fi and, and things that have to be done with computer. I love those, seeing reboots of those because it's like, oh my gosh, this is what, it's kind of like, oh, we're going to apply everything that we have now to the films back then, but we're going to do it with the entire different cast in a little bit different direction. And, and that's one of the main reasons um, I enjoy watching reboots, or, or one of the main reasons I, I even see the reboots. So um, if you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and today we are talking about Ice Age, Collision Course, uh, Ghostbusters, The Flight of the Butterflies, and Kids Choice Sports Awards. So right now, let's continue speaking with Ryan about Ghostbusters, and uh, we were just talking about how the visuals are nice and clear and crisp and like a flower in the springtime. <laughs> so what about the length of this film? I know you said that the pacing was off, so did since do you think that since the pacing was off that caused the length of the film to be wrong or, or not correct or, or not unnatural? Well, the pacing kind of made the movie feel a little longer. I felt like I liked the movie long because I thought it was like a two hour and ten minute movie, but it was actually like a pretty much it's pretty much an hour and fifty six minutes. But I felt like it was a little bit longer than that because of the pacing. And then after like it, the beginning was rushed, I felt like everything else was fitting in place and everything was uh, i guess the pacing was back to normal also something else i want to mention in the film is that i feel like some scenes you could tell they were cut off that's also another thing i want to just point out in the film and yeah that's all i have to say about that topic what, what do you mean cut off can you, can you elaborate on that oh yeah i mean cut off is like you know like deleted scenes and how it works out there was a, i remember there's a scene and they were talking and the camera changed and they were speaking about something else, and I felt like there's something missing in between the scenes. I felt like, was there something cut off? And I felt like it was somewhat visible. Invisible that they deleted whatever came after that. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never actually... I've never actually seen that in a film or maybe I wasn't paying close enough attention, but I, I felt like I have seen things where it has been cut off. I haven't thought about like, oh, well, maybe it was supposed to go longer, but it did seem abrupt. Like, whoa, was that supposed to end this way or what's going on? But I never dwelt on it long enough to get to the conclusion like, hey, it was probably a deleted scene. But anyway, how many stars do you give this film? I give this film four out of five stars. 
And I recommend this to people like the Ghostbusters films. Like, if you're a huge fan of it, I think you should go see it. I have to say for the age range, I would say like 10 to 18. Because there's a few scenes where it might scare younger viewers. That's my rating for the film. <laughs> Do you think that you have to be that? I know that you said that if you're a big fan of the Ghostbusters one and two, that you should definitely see this film. But what about if if you haven't seen the original Ghostbusters and or if you're not a big fan of the original Ghostbusters? Do you think that those people would still enjoy this film? Yes. If you haven't seen any of the Ghostbusters, they don't really say, "Oh, this happened thirty years ago," and they don't like spoil stuff. But they do make a few references to the original cast. And there's a few cameos in the film. That's some things that other people who haven't seen it might not get, might not understand. But I think if you haven't seen it and you want to watch the film, it doesn't matter Like if you didn't see the other two. And another thing I want to mention before uh, this is over is that you should stay at the end of the movie if you're a huge Ghostbuster fan because there's something good at the end after the credits are all over. Good to know. Yeah, we were talking about that a little bit before and we call it a Marvel now, guys. If things are at the end after the credits, you need to call it a Marvel because that's what it is, because that's what Marvel does. Anyway, so really quick, uh, looking at the four main characters and putting aside the previous Ghostbuster, like it never even existed, like this is the first one, This their roles seem to be a manly type of thing, like not to put categories on this is what women should do and this is what men should do but I think the, the clothing they wear and and how they deal with things it seems a little bit manly did you get that feel from them no not really it felt like that the clothing like I feel like it doesn't matter if it has to be a manly manly thing that the girls are doing because it's kind of showing a female empowerment not just like oh the boys get to do this and the girls don't get to do this this film showing that oh females can also hunt ghosts not just a man thing i felt like that it doesn't really matter what they wear because it just like makes things fair that it's hard to explain it's just saying that like it's fair what uh what they're showing and it's not like saying oh this this gender is higher than the others it's equal Thank you so much for saying that, because I've heard a lot of people say before before watching this film that, oh, you know, this isn't something that they should be doing and they shouldn't have changed the genders and that's not how it is. I'm just like, but it doesn't matter. People are people and they can, if girls want to hunt ghosts, they can hunt ghosts, so chill. <laughs> well, Ryan, thank you so much for talking with us today and telling us all about Ghostbusters. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> I love talking to you. Anyway, it's in theaters now, guys, so please check it out. Let's take a break. I'm Brianna Hope Beaton, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Endgame from We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Gary Orris, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about the films Ghostbusters, Flood of the Butterflies, and also Ice Age Collision Course, but right now we're going to talk about an event, Nickelodeon Kids Choice Sports Awards, and we're going to be talking about this with Morgan. So Morgan, for people who don't know, can you tell us about what this event is? The Nickelodeon Kids Choice Sports Awards of 2016 is basically a sports awards show where kids get to pick about which person is like the best grand slam or the best diva or the best house racer. And then like they just have different categories and then children get to pick out of both. Like it's kind of like the Emmys except for uh, sports and kids get to pick. And then you can say, oh, well, uh, blah, blah, blah is the best powerhouse. And then every vote counts. So the more votes that the person has, the more chances they'll have of winning. And then in between those uh, awards, they usually have, like, contests. Like, I got to see a contest about the human bowling pins and human, uh, human bowling and the key slime pie eating contest, and they had all kinds of different things like that. And then they had celebrities usually doing it against normal kids, or they had a couple of things where celebrities and sport people against other athletes as well. And then they all go head to head in these contests to see who is the best. You know, all, always Nickelodeon award shows are really fun and really interesting, just really exciting in general. Now, at the orange carpet, which you got to cover, did you meet any cool people there? Oh my gosh, who wasn't cool? I actually got to have the pleasure of meeting so many different people, like Jonathan Knotson, who is he played for the Baltimore Ravens, and he actually let me go and see a Hall of Fame ring. And they also had a couple of people who uh, were also Super Bowl winners from for the Rams and. Uh, the Patriots and a bunch of other players for football, and they all let me, they were so nice, they all let me go and see their rings and touch them. I was like, yeah, and my dad is probably really jealous because he loves football. And I told him all about it, he's like, no way. And I also had the pleasure of meeting uh, Nickelodeon stars, and they had personalities that are like nobody else's business. They're very happy and upbeat, and I really like them. And I also got to meet a couple of singers and a couple of people who are athletes as well. And Sixth Orange and Chloe Kim, and they are both snowboarders. I got to meet them, and they were actually very nice. And I got to meet so many other people, as a matter of fact, who are all amazing. And I also got to meet um, Brent, a nice kid who I've met at the Christmas party a couple of times from Blackish, who their show has just won an Emmy, and his name is Michael Brown. And he, today he had just got an Emmy for Bright Blackish, so he was really happy. And I know Miles Brown, uh, we're good friends, and we're like, oh my gosh! It was like a family reunion, really. Now, I'm now insanely jealous of you because I also love football. Now that you got to see those rings, I'm insanely jealous of you. And this question is going to be very hard. Out of all the people you met, who was your favorite? I don't pick favorites, to tell you the truth. Everybody is a shining star at heart because they all have different personalities and they all are wonderful. And they all, and it's not a reporter's job to take favorites. Everybody's a shining star and whoever you talk to is your favorite then and they continue being your favorite. Very true. That's a very good answer. And did you learn any interesting facts from the people you interviewed? Um, yes, I actually did. Um, I don't really watch a lot of Nickelodeon. Like, I, ever, I watch it every once in a while. But I actually got to learn a bunch of different shows and everything, and that was really cool. And I also got to meet many people who were par- participants in the show. And I, I got to meet a little boy, and his name was... Jason Edit, and he was very nice, and he's a skateboarder, and he's a professional skateboarder, and he went up against uh, Tony Hawk, 
who is a professional skateboarder as well, and they did the humid bowling thing, and they had to skateboard across galleys, and then they had to go and go into this bowl, uh, these giant hamster wheels, and they were filled with slime, because you know Nick, they love slime. And then they went down these slides and knocked down the bowling pins. And I actually really thought it was really cool that he was able to beat him, and that was like, wow, that's just how great a uh, skateboarder he is. And I like it that they're incorporating a new generation with the old generation, and they're combining the two of them together because you have old football players who are, have retired and also a bunch of new basketball players and a bunch of kids who are going to be taking their place when they retire as well. And I honestly just really, really love these events because you can see so many cool people, and it's honestly just a blast to go to them. I went to one of these events two years ago, and they are always fun to go to. You're listening to Kids First Come Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and today we talk about the films Ice Age Collision Course, Blood of the Butterflies, and also Ghostbusters. But right now we're going to continue talking to Morgan about the event that just happened a few days ago, the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Sports Awards. And Morgan was just talking about how they did a whole bunch of cool and fantastic things during the actual main award show. And Morgan, my next question is, since this is all about sports, did you see any uh, sport, any sport players that you admired or anything like that? Oh, well, I got to meet Michael Strahan, and he uh, he is the host, actually. He's the executive producer of this, and I really wish I got to meet him, but I didn't, sadly, because he was doing a show. But he was uh, he was very nice. He was actually a very good personality during the show, and I really did like that. And I also got to meet uh, Letiette Buffon, who is a professional skateboarder as well, and she's an X-game gold medalist. And I also got the pleasure of meeting... Marcelo Balboa, and he's on a Nickelodeon show called uh, Soccer Superstars, and he used to play for the soccer uh, teams as well, and he won quite a few medals. And he's doing a show right now where they get to find out who's the best woman uh, player for soccer, and they're trying to find out who's going to be the best of the best. That's also on Nick, and then I got to meet Jonathan Nautland, who played for the Baltimore Ravens. It does sound like you met a lot of fantastic people, and you kind of talked about the award show before. So my next question is, was there any aspect of the actual award show that you really loved and that was really exciting? Well, I really liked that they actually have wristbands for us, and they actually were computer choreographed, so that way when you wore them, uh, they would change colors. So, like, they had a a $50,000 kickball for soccer, and then they also had one for basketball and then another one for football and then if the kid made it through a hoop or soccer net or whatever they had for the different sports then if they got it right then your thing would go green and if they missed then it would go red and then it also had like a bunch of different colors it also had the Broncos colors orange yellow and blue and it had many other colors and they all flashed and sometimes they get rainbows and everything and it was really cool because you were like memorized mesmerized by watching that and it was like really cool how they incorporated that with the show because then the audience also had a part because they would wave their uh, wristbands around and they would be like basically part of the show. And it wasn't like you were just watching. I do remember the wristbands when I went to this award. And I have to say, I agree with you. They are really cool how they kind of light up in unison and how it's all together and changes different colors. It is really amazing. So since this is an award show, did you have a favorite award that they showed? Oh, my gosh. I really liked, I want to say it was Grand Powerhouse, because Serena Williams was in that category, and I was like, please win, please win, because she is actually a huge role model for me. I am trying to play tennis, and I want to be as good as her, but she didn't end up winning, and I was like, darn it, and then they had a legendary award for the best legendary player, and they awarded it to Kobe O'Brien, and it was, uh, he deserved it, and it was great. He got gold slimed all over him, and I thought that was hysterical how he got gold slime all over his face and everything. And Chase, the girl who plays Casey Undercover on Disney, was the one who awarded this award. And I, I know her, Zendaya, that's her name. I know Zendaya, and we're uh, friends. And I was like, oh, hi! It sounds like this event was really a blast. Now, this event is honoring sports stars, and I think I know your answer to this. If you could give any award to any sports star, what would it be and who and why? 
Oh my gosh, wow. That's a hard question. I have so many favorites. I'm going to go with one of my all-time favorite teams, which is the Broncos, because I'm originally from Colorado, and the Broncos, uh, I nominate Peyton Manning to be the best football player ever, because or uh, Brady, because both of those players are very wonderful, and they're very sportsmanlike, and I really like the way that they show it, and that they're that good of players is amazing. And I'd also give one to Serena Williams because for being a great role model and the number one tennis player in the world, really. She has proven that in the Wimbledon tennis uh, court and play, and she's also the number one player for girls because kids like me who are girls need a role model to look up as well, and most football players and most players are usually men, and it's good to see people who are also women that can show that they can play sports as well. I absolutely love, really love sports stars who are very sportsmanlike, who play by the rules, and also inspire many other people. Did you see a lot, did you see any um, sports stars like that that stuck out to you who were very inspirational? Um, I actually got to meet quite all of them, really. All of them were simply amazing. And I really think that they all inspired me in a way because they all have their little, they all have differences, and they all have some things that are the same about them. But their differences are what stood out the most to me and really inspired me because when they give you advice, they'll be like, this is the way that you can do this. And that just kind of makes you feel kind of warm inside. Like, oh my gosh, they're giving me advice because they are some of the best players in the world or are some of the best players to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, and it was just an honor. I think I know what you mean, and it, and it does really feel good. Thank you so much for talking to me about this wonderful event. It sounded like it was a lot of fun. Thanks so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Be sure to watch our video reviews of the latest film and DVD releases and learn how you can become a Kids First film critic. Go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our blog in the teen section of Huffington Post. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media on the Voice America Kids Network. Today's show is sponsored by Endgame from Shout Factory. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. 